Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. De- breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Joseph's father, Elliot Safra. Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Eliyahu Ben Jamile and Yaakov. Alava Shalom, sponsored by Michelle and Joseph Safra as well. We have a last minute sponsorship uh, for the week in the merit. Uh, of uh, this class in the merit of the Siddakah that Sarah Simchabat Sophia will be mitkarevet to her proper shidduch today, and as well in the merit of all of the singles of marriageable age to be able to find their zivug. The Pasuk says, I want you to look, he says to Moshe Rabbeinu, and create them in the way, in their tzurah, in their, uh, in their shapes, that I showed you in the mountain. Rashi explains, what does it mean, I want you to see and do. Every time, every other time, he just told him, you should make Aaron, you should make this, you should make that. But when it came to the menorah, Magid, this teaches you, Moshe Rabbeinu struggled with the ability to create the menorah, until HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him a menorah of fire. Now, what's interesting is, I mean, I understand that the creation of the, of the menorah was very complicated. It was mikshai, hati, was not allowed to use any sort of tool to be able to fashion the menorah. So if you have a big chunk of gold and you need to fashion out of it, you know, uh, this, the, the, all the candelabra, the, the sticks of the candle, seven sticks, one in the middle, three from each side. You have to make, uh, you know, all these different things, balls and flowers and the base and all that kind of thing. You would imagine you'd be able to like, uh, you know, cut away at the, at the thing. But instead, it needed to be only hammered. So you'd have to hammer it. What would happen? The gold would go that way. Then you need to hammer it back until you were able to hammer out. It's very difficult to be able to hammer something out like this that, uh, that actually had such great detail required of it. So Moshe Rabbeinu was nitkeshe. He couldn't figure out how to be able to do it. And the Gemara, the Gemara tells us, Rashi quotes it, that uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe Rabbeinu an image of fire. Now the question is obvious. The, the question is obvious. Amen. If a person is trying to fashion the menorah, uh, you know, and you can't do it, I understand that Borei Olam was showing you how it looked so you would have an image to think about how you're going to complete the task. But actually, our rabbis tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu, he couldn't figure it out, so he created the menorah in a miraculous way. God says, throw it in, I'll help you make it. If God was going to miraculously create the menorah, what was the purpose in teaching Moshe Rabbeinu how to do so? God knows that Moshe in the end is, good, is not going to be able to do it. So what was the point in giving this image to Moshe if in the end, number one, he wasn't going to be able to create it anyway? The interesting thing is that Moshe Rabbeinu has three things that he struggles to understand. Three things. Three times we find this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu needed to be shown something by God. One time was the menorah. The second time that we already experienced before was... This past week was the shekel, right? The mahatita shekel. He showed him a shekel of fire. And finally, the last one was Kiddush HaKodesh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu pointed to the heavens and he said like this, Like this you should see and make Kiddush HaKodesh. When you see the moon in this stage of its, uh, of its uh, uh, orbit, that's at that point you sanctify the new month. What's fascinating is that Moshe Rabbeinu's name 
Moshe's menorah, shekel, and heifah chodesh. Each one of these three things that Moshe Rabbeinu had trouble with became the name of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, it's illustrative of this idea. It communicates to us that the things that make a person are not the things that come easy to them, but rather the things that they struggle with. And I think maybe perhaps we're learning even more from this. It's not just the things that we struggle with and then eventually accomplish that give us our good name, that give us the name that we carry with us till the end of our days. But even the things that we ultimately don't figure out. I think that Borei Olam showing Moshe Rabbeinu how to do it. And Moshe still being unable to do so is a lesson in and of itself that that is what makes the man. When you cast yourself against the rocks and beat yourself against something until there's no more effort, you don't even know how to do it and you fail at something, a person learns from that too. But Rabotai, there's another element that one could learn from the fact that Borei Olam showed Moshe Rabbeinu how to build a menorah and Moshe was unable to do so uh, without God's help. Rabotai, one of the things that is required from each and every person uh, in this world is the ability to be middamien, to be mitzayer in their mind, the destination that they are going towards. What that means is I could imagine, I could see myself in that place to conjure up an image which will allow me to see myself uh, as a sadiq, as someone who's capable of conquering their, uh, their anger or their impatience. When a person can imagine uh, a, a goal and a destination, that in and of itself is the first step towards achieving the goal. When Moshe Rabbeinu Baruch Hu, I don't know how to do it. Hashem shows him the answer. Moshe still doesn't know how to do it. Hashem tells him, throw it in the fire and I will do it. That's not Moshe failing at all. That's Moshe Rabbeinu using one of the tools in his shed, which is Borei Olam. Sometimes, in order for us to succeed, we need to do something which is minimal. It is only the throwing into the fire that did it. Ironically, the greatest, if you will, failure of Moshe Rabbeinu's leadership period was when the Jewish people created the golden calf. That's the one stain uh, perhaps that stands out more uh, prominently than anything else that happened during Moshe's tenure or his rule. Was it Moshe Rabbeinu's fault? Obviously not. He wasn't even there at the time. But the worst thing that happened during the time that he was there was the golden calf. The irony is, what happened? How does the golden calf created? Also, they threw gold into the fire. And yet, and yet, Rabotai, in this scenario, Still we find that that was considered the greatest sin of the Jewish people. That they ultimately worshipped using this thing that had come about, that had been thrown into the fire and miraculously emerged. Rabotai, I think on some level, Borei Olam wanted that the fix, that the uh, response to a golden calf should be a golden menorah. And just as the Jewish people had served the golden calf, the havdil elef alfeh de'alot, uh, to make a thousand differentiations. When the Mishkan was built, there was an opportunity to get Kapara to change the way that they were, number one in the, in the golden calf, to change the way that they were with the menorah and to, and to be able to once again bring the light of the menorah, the light of Torah, down to the world. I find it so beautiful and so instructive and so comforting 
that when they needed to collect money for the Egel, so the men came and they gave their jewelry. And when they needed to collect money for the menorah, the women came and they gave their jewelry. In both instances, Am Yisrael funded, using their uh, most precious possessions, they funded something. One time it was an Avon, it was a tremendous sin. And one time it was a tremendous miracle, it was a tremendous misvah. In each of those scenarios, there's an element within the human being. And Rabotai, within each and every one of us, not only is there a male sense, there's also a female or a feminine sense. Just as in Bore Olam, in God Himself, we describe God in masculine and in feminine terms. Sometimes we talk about God and we say Vayikra with a Yud because that's masculine, that's male. But a lot of times we talk about the Shekhinah, God's presence, and that is feminine. So which one is it? Is God masculine or feminine? Now, obviously, when it comes to God, the idea of masculine and feminine, they don't exist. Because man and female, man and woman, male and female, are the domain of human beings. But when we talk about God in the masculine and in the feminine, we talk about God in the in terms of one that illustrates or gives what a man gives in a relationship, or that illustrates or communicates what a woman does in a relationship. Let's imagine the male contribution to a child and the female contribution to a child. The man provides the genetic code, the DNA, okay, uh, that imprint, the, the seed. The woman's body then receives that, and then that imprint has now uh, developed and built, which without the woman, that would never become a reality. It would only be potential. So in the male sense, there's this potential, and in the female sense, there's the building of that potential into something actual, into something real, into something that's uh, capable of achieving something uh, in the real world. Rabotai, so too, when we describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well, there's the influence that God has in the world, but then there's the female sense in which we act upon God. How is that true? When God's presence is felt in the world, that is us acting upon it. So if we talk about the Shekhinah in Galut, the Shekhinah is in Galut because of us, because of things that we did to push it out of our homes, of our lives, of the Beit HaMikdash, all the sins that we do shove God out the window. And then, where's God's presence in the world when all of us are doing sins? Is that clear? That's why the Shekhinah is described as a female, is acted upon. Uh, it, it, is, it can't produce, or develop something because it has, it's not being given uh, the mitzvot to work with. Rabotai, the Jewish people, there were two points, if you will, that were dedicating their goal, that were dedicating their gifts, that were dedicating their luxury. When it came to the sins, it was the masculine form that of within Am Yisrael. It was they came out and they gave and they wanted to do and they wanted to impose their world, their will on the world. The Gemara tells us, Lo Abdu Yisrael, the Jewish people did not serve the Avodah Zarah in the desert. Ela lehatir lahem arayot. They wanted, they didn't want the rules at that moment. They wanted to be able to marry whoever they want, do whatever they want. And they thought that if they got all these rules and these regulations and the Torah, that would restrict them. So their desire to uh, worship Avodah Zarah was not because they thought it was real, but rather because they felt it was a get out of jail free card. They could do, they would be able to do whatever they want. They were rejecting rules. They were rejecting being told what to do, even if the one telling them to do what to do was God Himself. Whereas the other way around, when it came time for the uh, for the Mishkan, 
It was God asking. God says, please go around. God asked them, please, could you give some money to be able to dedicate or build a temple? And when the Jewish people gave in that scenario, it didn't come from their desire. It didn't come from their desire to be free to sow wild oats. But rather, it was the feminine within them that was giving because something beautiful was being asked. And they were responding to it. Rabotai, Moshe Rabbeinu was shown the menorah built out of, uh, uh, seen out of fire. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to understand. This is something, this gift that I'm giving you with the Mishkan, it's not coming from the people. It cannot come from the people. Because any tent or keli that comes from the people's intent is considered to be avodazara. God doesn't accept any forms. God doesn't need any physicality. For us to decide we wanted to build a mishkan would have been idolatry. The reason why it wasn't idolatry was because the request came from God. So when God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I want you to build a menorah, symbolizing the power to light up the Torah, that was only something that could come from God himself. Humankind today tries to do this very often. We make up our own forms of spirituality. People say, Rabbi, I'm not religious, I'm very spiritual. What do you do? I go into the forest, I don't know, I take off my clothes, I run around naked, it's very spiritual. Who told you that that was spiritual? They would treat that, that's like an insanity. You know, that's, that you could, there's medication for that, like they say. That's not, because you decided that that spirit doesn't make it spiritual. You cannot decide your own spirituality. Boreo Olam says, you want to connect with me, here are the guidelines, here are the pathways. And it's true, everyone connects in different ways. They connect, though, in different ways that are shown to us by God. And then, when we take that passion and throw it into the fire, Boreo Olam can turn that into something intensely beautiful and intensely spiritual. So perhaps our for today is to try and build the Mishkan and build everything in the ways that we know how. To take the Aaron and the Shulchan and the Mishkan, to do all the mitzvot with all the halakot that we are told how to do. But when it comes to a mitzvah that we cannot figure out how to do. Sometimes I'm giving a class and I'll ask them, I'll share an important point and someone will say in the class, I can hear them say quietly to the neighbor, I could never do that. You know, you're talking about eating out kosher, you know, even if it means that you can give up your favorite restaurant. I could never do that. You're going kosher on kosher wines. Rabbi, I could do all kosher, kosher wine. I could never do that. Praying, come to shul every day, not just Shabbat. Every day of the week. Rabbi, I could never do that. I'm not a morning person. What we're being taught over here by Moshe Rabbeinu is that there are certain things that cannot be done by you in the masculine sense. Where you feel that strength to go forward, where it comes from you, where the seed, where the imprint comes from you. Rather, it's in a feminine mahalach. It's the opposite way. It's where you imagine the mitzvah, you see the destination, you look at the top of the mountain, and then you throw your passion in the fire and you ask, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you make it. I can't make it by myself. I can't ever do that. And even that, Rabotai, when we imagine and we uh, push out that boat, Borei Olam guides it home. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi